Okay, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, this is Robert Craig. I'm Executive Director of Citizen National Wisconsin, and we're having this call uh, to preview uh, the information we're going to have sometime this month probably on Wisconsin health insurance rates on the new competitive health marketplace under the Affordable Care Act, also uh, called the exchanges. Uh, this has been a huge issue nationally. number of states have come in with much lower rates. Uh, and then, then as expected, and some states actually have released the rates in a way that have made it seem like there's a very large rate increase when there really is not, which we'll explain. And so Wisconsin was supposed to have an announcement. We thought, a number of people thought, uh, Monday before last of what the rates would be, but the insurance commissioner's office released the plans that had applied to be in both the uh, individual market marketplaces and the, um, and the small business marketplaces, but not the rates. The latest information we have from a public hearing uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, I was able to ask, it was Senator Tammy Baldwin let it, ask the Deputy Insurance Commissioner when the rates would be out, and he promised the group that they'd be out this month in August. So we are expecting the rates uh, very soon. The reason we're having this call is we want to have much clearer information to the media and the public about what these rates mean and how to understand them as far as, far as what it actually means to the cost of consumers. And so we're honored today to have uh, Dr. Jonathan Gruber with us. Uh, he is one of the top healthcare care experts in the nation. He is the chief architect of the Massachusetts plan, which was the uh, plan that inspired the Affordable Care Act, had a, ma a major role in also crafting the Affordable Care Act, and did the actuarial analysis commissioned by the Doyle administration and released by the Walker administration on the impact of the Affordable Care Act uh, in Wisconsin. And so he is the best expert uh, that we could have to talk about uh, what rates are going to look like and how to interpret them here in Wisconsin as we enter actual implementation of the Affordable Care Act and the creation of these new marketplaces. So I just want to, before I turn it over to Dr. Gruber, briefly outline our concerns and our, our broader uh, position, really thoughts on how to look at this. A lot of the studies about what, what conservatives or opponents of health care reform have called rate shock um, have not reported the true sticker price because they don't include the, the tax subsidies that are also part of the law. So Kaiser Family Foundation actually released a report this week that shows that nearly half of, su of consumers will get these tax credits, uh, that they will lower premiums by an average of 32% uh, for people who take the second lowest plan, the silver plan, that's $2,672 a year, and reduce them by 77% if they took the bronze plan, which is the lowest level coverage. And so if you just hear rates without the impact of the tax credits, that's not the sticker price, and it's misleading. And that's what's happened in some other states where the state is, insurance commissioners also release the rates without taking into account the uh, tax credits. A uh, second thing to bear in mind is, is that um, an exclusive focus on premiums doesn't look at total consumer cost. So we have a number of plans sold in Wisconsin which are below the standards of the Affordable Care Act, and so they will, they'll have to come up to standard, and that means the premiums could go up. But in compensation, out-of-pocket costs go down because they're better plans and, uh, and cover more out-of-pocket costs, more deductibles, more co-pays, more co-insurance. And so they don't... The fact that premiums higher doesn't mean there's increased cost to the consumer. There could be lower cost to consumer, consumers. And Dr. Uh, Gruber's analysis in Wisconsin showed 38% of plans in the individual market fall below with the minimum standards, uh, um, the 60% actuarial value that you have in Affordable Care Act plans. 
Um, a third thing is, is that average premiums don't take into account the fact that the current system is actually based on discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, older consumers, and women. And so, quite frankly, you have some people doing very well in the system and other people paying much more or being denied coverage or being priced out of coverage. And so in the new system, all of these people have access. So you're not really comparing similar systems because of that once you end the discrimination. And I, my final point, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Gruber right after this, is that as a values proposition, even some health consumers who are who right now are considered a good risk by the insurance industry and therefore get a good rate, your prototypical 26-year-old uh, male who's a young invincible, they grow old, they will age, and they will develop health conditions. And so even if they pay more now, or slightly more now in the for the new plan, they have a plan that can be never never taken away taken away from them at all. So they're paying for a it's a much better value proposition for them rather than getting a good rate now and then not getting a good rate or being denied coverage altogether later in their lives. And so that's my overview. But I know that there are going to I think there are no long term losers, but there are short term losers in that some people's rates definitely do go up when you disrupt the marketplace and end discrimination and create a system where everyone has access. And so that's a fact, but we want people to understand what, the, what, what all the pluses are as well and how all this works out. So with that brief overview, I want to, I want to turn it over to Dr. Gruber. So thank you very much for joining the call. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Robert. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I want to start by really, I mean, Robert hit a lot of the key points, so I'll be pretty brief. But let me just focus on the fact that people don't seem to be focused on about the reported for Wisconsin. The key fact, really the most important one, which is a 65% decline in the number of uninsured people in Wisconsin. I mean, there's all this focus on the individual market rate. Let's be clear how many people are talking about. The individual market today, Robert, can you what's the population of Wisconsin over report in front of me? Roughly about five and a half million, roughly. About five and a half million. Today, in the individual market, there's 170,000 people. Okay, 3% of the Wisconsin population. That's who this debate's all about. Okay? So you've got to remember, when we opponents to the Affordable Care Act, we'll often talk about what it's going to do. We'll talk about premium shock is affecting general insurance premium. That's not what we're talking about. Okay? If, if you have employer-sponsored insurance in the state of Wisconsin, premiums will not change. By this, We estimate the report there will be a negligible net effect of premiums on employer, uh, of, of the law on employer-sponsored premiums. We're talking about is a premium state from the non-group market, which is a tiny fraction of the population. So we have to start there, which is recognizing we're talking about a law which has transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites by giving them insurance and access to fairly priced insurance. And then we're talking about the rate effect on a very small slice of the population. Within that slice, um, as Robert mentioned, there are winners and losers, but you can't evaluate that, and you never should without accounting for the tax credit. I mean, to look at prices without the tax credits is sort of like saying, you know, to look at what the price of uh, college is without accounting for the discounts you get or, or the price of a car before you negotiate the price. I mean, nobody's paying, you know, very many people aren't paying these prices. In fact, in my report, 57% of people who end up in the exchange end up with subsidies using tax credits. I'm sorry, 57% end up using tax credits. So you have to look at the post-tax credit price. And by my estimate, the post-tax credit price falls by, you know, by about 5 or 6% in the state. But after you count for tax credits, the price in this market falls. Now, there are some winners and some losers. And the losers are essentially the people who 
have benefited from existing discrimination in this market. You've got Wisconsin has a highly discriminatory uh, non-group market where young, healthy people can get excellent rates, and older, sicker people are excluded and have to go to the high-risk pool, but they pay expensive rates uh, that are subsidized by the state. So it's not surprising that you end up with some losers. Anytime you end discrimination, the group that benefits from that discrimination will be worse off. That's the idea of any discrimination is to benefit the people who have been discriminated against. The people who are discriminated in favor of will lose from that, and that's happening here. It's not a large number of people. Um, first of all, it's, it's you know, I said, you know, maybe a half of 170,000 people will see their rates go up. Overall rates will fall. Um, and then, moreover, um, the important thing when these rates are released, Robert sort of, you know, uh, predicated that the way these rates are presented varies enormously by whether the folks presenting them want to make it look good or bad. But the important thing to remember is that even the rates that come out, first, just say the tax credits out, but there's a second key feature, which is Wisconsin was the first of six different state reports I did on this. And one thing I learned throughout the process is that actuaries are very conservative folks. And they, in the, in the year of great uncertainty, they're going to err on setting prices too high. Okay? And the, and the Affordable Care Act has the mechanism to help address this, which is the minimal law regulation, which says if insurance, if actuaries set premiums too high and they end up making a lot of money, they have to rebate much of that back to consumers. So, in fact, even the rates you see by the end of August will not be the final rates consumers will pay. The final rates consumers will pay will be after the tax credits and after the rebates. I think they're inevitably going to get at the end of the year when the actuaries realize they were too conservative and set prices that were too high. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, sort of, it's, it's a confusing topic. There's a lot of moving pieces out there, but you have to try to, try to understand people's position when they present you the numbers and, and recognize they need to be cherry-picking the numbers that serve their interest the best. So let me, rather uh, than going on, let me, let, let me stop there. Actually, I, I just, before I stop, I want to mention one other thing, which is uh, an important caveat in our report, okay? About half of the reason that rates go up in the individual market in Wisconsin is because we're folding the high-risk pool into the individual market. These are the sickest people who have interest in the high-risk pool. That's about half of the increases, and they're folding them in. But when those people come in, those people right now are subsidized by the state. The state is spending, I forget the amount of money, I think it's, not, it's many millions of dollars to subsidize those people in the high-risk pool. Well, that money, if it was used to help offset the cost of bringing them into the exchange, would dramatically lower the premiums on our report. So our report essentially assumes Wisconsin just pockets the money from ending the high-risk pool. There's no reason the state has to do that. And if the state used the money from the high risk from ending the high risk pool and brought it into the exchange, then that would lower rates even further. So one reason numbers actually of all the states I've studied, Wisconsin has the highest rate increase. One reason is because Wisconsin has the most expensive risk pool. And if the state would actually use the money spending on that risk pool to offset some of the rate shock, people could be even better off. So let me stop there and take questions. Uh, that was extremely helpful, Dr. Gruber. Thank you. And it, and I believe it's star six, Kevin, right on mute, or star five? Star six. Star six? So any, anyone who has a question, uh, star six and go right ahead. Yeah, this is Scott Bauer at the Associated Press. Um, does, it, does it concern you at all, or does it raise any alarms that the rate information hasn't been released yet by the state, given that they have released the names of the companies that intend to participate in the exchange? Uh, um, 
Oh, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that basically, uh, you know, that could be good because it means they're aggressively doing the race and trying to get them down, or it could be bad because they figure how to spin it in a way which makes things look bad. So I, I, I guess in the office they were qualified than I. I hope they're using the time to do productive things, which is what a number of states have done, which is to go back to the initial insurers after initial bids and try to work the bids down. Yeah, and this is more of a hunch than actual information, Scott, but since they, it looked like they were going to release the rates, at least a lot of people did, and then they didn't, and it was right around when Ohio started actually getting a lot of bad press about how they released the rates, where they not only didn't show the tax credit, they merged the, the four levels of plans to make the rate look higher. Uh, they, there was so much pushback on that. We were concerned that they went back to plan, to plan B on how to release them in a way that would be prejudicial, but we don't know that for a fact, but that is one of the reasons, that's the main reason we're having this call is, is that uh, the, the, the fact that they didn't release the rates and we're not sure when they will uh, makes us worried that that might be a worst-case scenario. But uh, Dr. Gruber is obviously right. It would be better if they were doing things like the state of Maryland, for example, which is trying to actually negotiate down rates. Uh, other questions? And star six on mute. I'm glad I was so clear, Robert. Yeah. Um, I think there's some other reporters on here who usually ask uh, a number of questions. So, David Reamer, may I ask a question? Yeah, why don't you go ahead, David. David, just so you know, Dr. Rupert, David is a, a, a very uh, uh, well-regarded uh, policy analyst in Wisconsin and does a lot of work in the healthcare area. So go ahead, David. The, the question has to do with the impact that uh, you would estimate or, or want us to think about from the fact that we have a co-op, one of the, one of the co-ops that uh, uh, was authorized by the Affordable Care Act, newly created and operating in um, almost all the counties uh, on the eastern uh, edge of Wisconsin. So Kenosha, we're seeing Milwaukee, all the way up to Brown County, which is Green Bay. I'm not quite sure what percent of the population they will be competing in, but I, you know, just superficially, it looks to me at least 40 or 50 percent of, of the state. It's a major population areas other than Dane County. So, so the question is, from other states that you've looked at, or just your your, your knowledge as an economist, but what is the impact you think is likely to happen from having this new kid on the block, this new co-op participating in the in the in the competition on, on pricing? You know, uh, David, th th that's a great question. Um, we don't really know. We know that more insurance competition lowers rates. There's some excellent research that shows that a more competitive insurance market lowers rates. So I think it'll be a good effect. We also know in Massachusetts that by introducing our exchange, we induced a new entrant, uh, which wasn't a call, it was actually a for-profit insurance company, Centene, out of St. Louis, that significantly lowered rates in our market. So I I I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that that kind of competitive pressure will towards the lower rates. I don't know if the effect would be huge. I mean, I think the problem isn't that you have an uncompetitive insurance market. You actually have a fairly, compared to other states I've looked at, you have a fairly decent number of folks offering insurance. So I think it will help. I don't know if it will be transformative, but it certainly should help. Thank you. Great. Um, and, and, and obviously it might take time as well, I would think, um, right. for, yeah. the, for this all to shake out. We do know, we've been looking at the numbers, that uh, most people in the state will have at least three options. So, and we'll, we're going we're gonna to release those numbers, but it looks there's going to be competition, uh, you know, almost for almost everyone in the state of Wisconsin. So, uh, any other any other questions? Yes, um, Hi, Dr. 
by Guy. Go ahead. Right. Does somebody else want to speak? No, no, I, this is Robert. Someone else I, 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 I just recognize your voice. Go right ahead, Guy. Um, Dr. Gruber, my name is Guy Volt. I'm with the Journal, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Hey, can would you um, give us some advice on this uh, projection by uh, Society of Actuaries that may not be the formal name where they said rates in Wisconsin could go up um, as much as 80% uh, by 2017? Yeah, um, you know, look, the thing to understand is that any of this stuff involves modeling assumptions and a decent amount of, quite frankly, guesswork. I mean, let's be honest. We're dealing with a great degree of uncertainty. And these models are very sensitive to the assumptions you make, in particular about the health risk of people joining the pool. My experience in with actuaries is they're pretty conservative, so I'm not surprised their number's pretty high. Uh, that sounds really high to me. I, um, I've worked in a number of states, and I don't think anybody's going to be at that level of increase. Um, but once again, I don't know where the numbers are coming from. As Robert mentioned, the percentage increase depends very much on how you define it, what groups you're looking at. You know, that may be saying for the very healthiest people, it could be up 80%. I guess that's true. But, but I think basically I, I don't really know enough about where the numbers come from. Um, you know, I, I think my numbers would suggest that before tax credits, it's more like 25 to 30% more realistic numbers. Um, I trust my numbers I've put together. I think they're closer to the truth. But I think, you know, look, we soon won't have to guess. We'll see the answer. Okay. Now, you, uh, um, when your report was released by the state, your report made clear that, you know, people who are young and healthy, um, you know, will subsidize people who are old or sick, and that's the way insurance works. Can you maybe provide some perspective for us about, you know, just the nature of insurance and, and risk pools? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the nature of insurance is exactly that those who are, you pay in when you're, you, you pay in when you're healthy and collect when you're sick. Uh, that's how insurance is. Um, I, I find the notion uh, some conservative criticisms of, of insurance as being, you know, confiscatory. But it's taking from the healthy, giving the sick is sort of dumb. I mean, that's what insurance is all about. As Robert points out, it's not like people are, you know, people very rarely are people permanently healthy or permanently sick. In particular, almost no one's ever permanently healthy. We all have variation across our life where we're healthy sometimes and sick other times. But in the long run, it's all just comes out in the wash. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, this, this is really just sort of saying we're going to move away from the system where in the moments where you're sick today in America and Wisconsin, those moments when you're sick, you're screwed uh, because you can't get insurance at a fair price. We're going to say, look, let's just make it sure that even when you're sick, you have insurance available. What are some of the games that um, were played in Ohio and Indiana? My understanding in Indiana, at least, I'm not familiar with Ohio, is they folded in the platinum and gold plans. There are a number of things to keep an eye out for. And, you know, I can't, Robert may know the specific states better than I can, but here's, here's the things reported to keep an eye out for. The first thing is you need to, you want to look at the overall market, not just a certain group. So, for instance, an advocacy, a right-wing advocacy group in Washington put out a report which focused on the very healthiest and youngest people. Well, those are the people most likely to lose. So, uh, you, don't, you don't want to just focus on them. You want to look at either average or at least the distribution. That's something to look at. Second is, as you said, it's got to be apple. 
compare in today's, you want to compare the typical plan sold we buy in the future market to the typical plan they buy today. So, for example, the typical plan they buy today has a, is more is sort of about a bronze plan. That's what a typical plan bought in the individual market today. Typical plan bought in the future would be more like a silver plan. So, you want to make that comparison. You only want to compare to plan. Then the third point is the other point Robert made, which is excellent, which is that if they're buying bronze today and silver tomorrow, they're getting more for their dollars. You also want to count for the fact they're getting more for their dollars. Um, and so I think those are the kind of things you need to keep in mind when you evaluate the numbers that come out. Is there, what about the catastrophic plan? People don't seem to mention those, but for the young invincibles, that's an option, ain't it? It's, just, it's an excellent option. In fact, it's one of the caveats of our report. Uh, we don't include modeling the catastrophic plan. Our numbers, our numbers would be even lower if we modeled the catastrophic plan. We didn't model that. So that was one weakness in, in our analysis. Uh, I think it's an excellent option for people under 30 and for people who have insurance that's unaffordable for 8% of income. They can access the catastrophic option. I think that's, very, that's going to be a very important option for lower income groups, for a lot of time for younger groups. Okay, now, back in 25, 26 grand, we've reported this, looking at the estimates available in the Kaiser calculator. Um, you know, insurance, even with the subsidy, is still going to cost me maybe a hundred, more than a hundred bucks, maybe 114 bucks a month. This is a rough estimate, um, very rough estimate. But um, can you touch a little bit on? Hey, look. You know, you can't get away from the fact, and maybe this is a leading question, but insurance is, is expensive, and it, to a lot of folks, it's, it's still going to seem relatively expensive. Look, you're absolutely right. As a nation, we spend 18% of our income on insurance, on health care. Okay? In a world like that, it can't be free for everyone. People have got to pay. And the question is really what's affordable. Now, reporters are exercised. A report for the Commonwealth Fund came out about a year and a half ago or two years ago discussing why I think the amount that people have to pay are affordable. I looked at people's budgets and what they spend their money on. I believe these amounts are affordable for people. It doesn't mean it's free. It doesn't mean people are going to be happy. People have got to pay less. But someone who's a 28-year-old making $40,000 a year, $35,000 a year, can afford to spend 100 bucks a month. A health insurance, even 150 bucks off that health insurance. So I mean, they're happy about it, but if you look at what they spend on necessities, they have plenty of room in their budget to afford that. So I think, uh, in, in some sense, you know, the coverage you all give is going to be so important to shape how we think about this. That's one important thing you realize, which is that, you know, we're not solving the world's problems with this law, but we're, we're solving a lot of problems by making insurance markets work and making sure it's affordable, even if it's not as cheap as people would like. Uh, any other questions? Mike Tyson, the Tribune. When, when you refer to a report, are you talking about a new report or the one that the Walker administration released in 2011? Uh, on the affordability question or, or a Wisconsin report? The Wisconsin report. Uh, you just want to see it. Wisconsin report is the one that was released you know, a, year two, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that's a hyperlink to it's on the media advisory. So that's the report that was released in 2011. Okay. Yeah. So, but it has has you know a, a wealth of data on all of these questions. Uh, hi. And if anyone uh, can't find it, just let me know. I'll send you a link. But it, it, you should be able to get it off the media advisory. Um. Hi. Can Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um. This is Timothy Martin. I'm a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. Um. 
I think at the very beginning, um, one one of the speakers had mentioned that Wisconsin as a state has the most expensive risk pool among um, people who might be able to access uh, coverage on the individual exchanges. Uh, could you remind me uh, how is that measured and, and perhaps um, where I might be able to find that report? Um, you know, I mentioned that. So let me be clear. What Wisconsin has is they have something called the high-risk pool, which is they segment the sickest people, slice the sickest people off of their market, off of their insurance market, and put them in a separate pool, and then to make insurance affordable, the government subsidizes that pool. And Wisconsin actually, I, I'm not quite right, Wisconsin, I think maybe has the high-risk pool, I think it's the second most expensive in the nation after Minnesota. Minnesota and Wisconsin are the two biggest high-risk pool. So the point is when you take those sick people and fold them back into the individual market, Mathematically, rates have got to go up for everyone, right? You're bringing the sickest people in. Now, they wouldn't go up that much if the state also brought in with them the money they're now spending to subsidize them. So if the state doesn't bring that money in but brings the sick people in, they raise rates. So as I said, I, we estimate that's about half the reason the rates go up before tax credits. Uh, half the reason rates go up is because these sickest people from the high-risk people are coming in. And that's all laid out in the 2011 report. Okay. Um, so the way you... Uh, that's that's measured as um, I guess uh, um, taking the amount of money or, or the uh, state subsidies and, and dividing it by the amount of people it's uh, div uh, divvied up around is and that's how Wisconsin is number two and Minnesota is number one. Uh, no, I just I, what I meant is uh, in terms of the the total like the total either state subsidy dollars or in terms of the actual I I, I forget the exact metric by which that rate comes up with but basically in terms of these are up to dollars with the size of the pool. These are very, very big pool. Uh, and, um, uh, and as a result, in both Wisconsin and Minnesota, two states I study, you get a very big rate of sack from both those people into the park. Okay, yeah. yeah so Wisconsin is still very large, too. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just trying to get a sense if it was more based on number, like the number of people. Um, uh, that were. Yeah, I don't. The, I mean, I. In terms of I don't have that in front of me. I just know, you know, the rate effect is large. That's what I remember. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Jonathan, this is, this is uh, Tim Stone with Wisconsin Health News. Um, are you aware of other states that are doing that, that are taking the money that they now are, are using to subsidize their state high-risk pool and, and then using it to uh, mitigate rate shock in, in their state? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I think there aren't many states that have this magnitude of an issue. I think it's just one of the small handful of states where the issue is this big, uh, uh, where states are doing that. Okay. Um, and I just, I just had, actually, this is, this is Tim again. I just had maybe sure. uh, another quick question, uh, kind of moving away from the rates a little bit, um, but, but about the exchanges. Uh, here in Wisconsin, um, uh, Wisconsin is one of the states that did not accept the enhanced uh, Medicaid funds and um, is now seeking a waiver that would reduce Medicaid eligibility in the state down to 100 uh, percent, meaning that this, this population between 100 and 133 percent of the poverty level are now going to be uh, seeking coverage in the exchanges. Uh, as someone who, who was so involved in crafting the federal health reform law, how do you think this population is going to fare uh, in that market in getting coverage in the exchanges? Do you think they'll, yeah. they'll be able to? To obtain it and, and afford it as, in as high numbers as, as the governor's administration here uh, hopes that they do? You know, it's an excellent question. Unfortunately, it's the last one I'm going to be able to take because I have to run. But I think um, it's a great question. 
Um, and I think there's a couple of concerns. You know, one concern is that people will be less likely to take it. I don't think that's a huge concern. It's really going to be very cheap. Obviously, two percent, two percent of income. It'll be very cheap. Uh, and we'll have a lot of options. And the truth is, people prefer private insurance to public insurance. So I don't think there's going to be an enormous issue with uh, people becoming uninsured rather than going to exchange. I think there'll be some. Um, I don't think it's going to be enormous. I think the bigger issue is they're sicker than average people. So when you throw them in exchange, that's going to raise exchange rates even further. So what Governor Walker's plan does is actually especially penalize the people who buy health insurance in exchange by sticking some sicker people from 100 to 133% on the exchange. We didn't model that in our report. I, don't, I can't really give an estimate. But it's fully going to raise rates in exchange. I think that's something that should be recognized concerning with this plan. And Dr. Gruber, do you think there's an issue with copays and deductibles for that population since they're not used to private? Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a big issue. I mean, it's, it's an issue. I don't want to say it's zero. It's definitely an issue. These people are definitely worse off being on Medicaid. Certainly, the people who would be kicked off Medicaid and put into this, them I worry about because they're, they're people who are otherwise uninsured who. With the getting this or getting Medicaid, I don't see a huge difference for them. I think the biggest there is people who will have to be kicked off in transition. For those folks, I think they're just a piece of definite switch. Yeah, and there's a group of those people because of the uh, yeah. way Governor Walker turned down the money. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's a group I'd be very concerned about. Anytime you take away people's insurance coverage, try to move them to your category, you know there's a lot of slippage. And, and I don't know how big that group is, but that's a group I'd be very, very concerned about. Okay, great. That's very helpful. All right. I guess that, that's all the time you have, right, Dr. Gruber? Yep. So, yep. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm, 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 if reporters want to email me, I'm uh, gruberj at mit.edu. I'm happy to answer other questions. If anyone missed that, we'll, we'll forward uh, question okay. two. So thank you very much, Dr. Gruber. Uh, if there is any lingering questions, I could answer them. Otherwise, we'll call it a day. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on a Friday afternoon and have this conversation. We very much appreciate it, and this is a really important topic. So thank you, everyone, and have a great weekend.